guys, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Pac-12 podcast on the Lockdown Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. In this case, your conference, the Conference of Champions. I'm your host, Emily Van Buskirk, and it's Monday, which means recap day, where we talk about all the Pac-12 football games that happened this weekend, um, big slate of games, six... Five. Wow. I was thinking it was six, but it's actually five. Um, Five games that went down this weekend. Um, Two teams were on by Washington and Colorado. Everybody else saw some action, and we are going to talk about it all in this podcast. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the statistics, everything that you could want from a post-game recap we're going to do. First and foremost, make sure that you're following the podcast wherever you listen. Please subscribe and download. And um, if you're feeling so inclined, throw some stars my way, rate and review it. Let me know what you think about it, what could be done better, all of that good stuff. Leave a review and let me know. Also follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Pac-12, where all episodes will be posted. You can join in conversations there. Um, and tell me what you think about your favorite team. And you can follow my personal handle on Twitter, at Emilnem, E-M-I-L-N-E-M, and talk college football with me there. Um, Any time of the day or night, I'm always game for some conversation. And you get to follow along on my journeys, which, you know, the past few weeks, uh, there's been a lot going on in the Bay Area with the fires and... I've had some family stuff, so I haven't been doing my usual crazy college football traveling like I did earlier in the year, but this past weekend, I did manage to make it to two games, um, to Conference USA games, which doesn't at first blush seem very interesting, but both games ended up being um, being very, very interesting football games to go to. It was supposed to be three, but I did not make it to the Pittsburgh-North Carolina game due to some flight problems. Um, which is too bad because it went into overtime and was actually a very competitive game with Pitt pulling it out. But Mac Brown, man, never say die. Um, but the other two games, I went to Marshall versus Louisiana Tech in Huntington, West Virginia um, at Marshall. It was really cool because it was the anniversary of the tragic plane flight 49 years ago, and I was there for that game. The day before the game, was the actual day of the plane crash, and there's a big ceremony. They turn off the fountain until spring in remembrance of the lost souls, the 75 people who lost their lives um, that morning, or I guess that night. It was an evening flight. but um, And then, you know, getting to see their, them wear the 75 jersey, uh, the 75 decal, and the and the coaches wearing the, jer- the sweatshirts that say 75. Um, it was a very emotional uh, game and they beat Louisiana Tech, who technically I think is better, but they had you know had some issues with some players that couldn't play. But still, Marshall came out and handed it to him. Love Doc Holiday, so excited to interview him. So working on a story that'll be out hopefully this week for you guys to read about that experience. It was truly, truly incredible. Flying into the airport on the anniversary, the same route the plane took, um, it was very heavy. So, and then the next day I got to head to Murfreesboro, Tennessee for the Middle Tennessee Rice game. And uh, I will talk more about that later in the podcast, but you know, I have some ties to Middle Tennessee. Um, Coach Rick Stockstill is a very good friend 
of myself in the podcast and Tony Franklin, longtime friend. So like to get to see them whenever I can. Uh, they played Rice, which also their head coach, Mike Bloomgren, another friend um, from when I covered him at Stanford, got their, the Rice got their first win, the Rice Owls, of the season. So uh, it was kind of cool to experience that um, with them. So I'll definitely talk a little bit more about that later on. But first, we're going to get to all the games, but we're going to start with Washington State beating Stanford 49-22 in Pullman. And you know we got to start. You know I got to start with this game because I told you guys so. Stanford, in my opinion, is not going to win another game this year. And this was one that was a concern, and clearly it was right to be concerning. Um, KJ Costello out, obviously. So we had junior quarterback Davis Mills in the game. Um, bright spot in his fourth career start. Mills broke the all-time single-game record for passing yards with 504 yards, surpassing Todd Husak's 2000 record of 450 yards set in 1998. Mills started in place of senior KJ Costello, who was injured, and he finished 33-50 with 504 yards and three touchdowns on top of two interceptions um, on Saturday. So it was kind of cool because Todd Husak, as you know, is the color commentary for Stanford football, and he was calling... Um, the game as Mills is breaking his record. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, Worst season so far for Stanford of the David Shaw era. (sighs) Stanford falls to four and six, three and five in the Pac-12. And the Cougars bouncing back and winning the, this now they've won the past four in, in games against Stanford, which I don't know. Pullman is a weird place to play and Stanford has a hard time playing there um I don't I don't really know you know Michael Wilson receiver for Stanford looked good Mills obviously looked good at times Wilson had a five five receptions for a career high career best 114 yards um wedding Connor Weddington a career high matching eight receptions career best 119 yards. So obviously there were some good things for Stanford given Washington State's defense is not great, but you know, the defense without a Debo cannot stop could not stop Washington State. And that's in large part obviously to Anthony Gordon. Washington State's quarterback was phenomenal. 44 of 60 for 520 yards, five touchdowns and a lone interception. He was so good in fact that Washington State head coach Mike Leach, after the game, said that he's the best quarterback in the nation. And he explained why. Mike, you said, Gordon, you think is playing maybe better than anybody in the country quarterback. What specifically is he doing, and, and why do you say that? <laughs> well, he throws for uh, – uh, he's, he's real accurate. He throws for a great deal of yards. And then the other thing, I think, when he – Uh, gets pressured he can do something with the ball and typically this game being kind of an exception you know he did better on some things but uh, he typically doesn't take many sacks so there you hear it from Mike Leach himself talking about why his quarterback is playing the best in the nation right now and to add some credibility to that being that it is his head coach Anthony Gordon leads the nation in several statistical categories are you ready He leads in completions per game, 36.7. 
He leads the nation in passing yards with 4,314 yards this season. He leads the nation in passing touchdowns with 39, just edging out Joe Burrow of LSU, who has 38. He is number one in total offense, which obviously Washington State is a cornerstone, but he's averaging, Washington State's offense is averaging 434.8 yards per game offensively, which is just unreal. And he comes in fourth in points responsible for 236 behind, you know, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields. So, yeah, Washington State, maybe I know that Utah's making a push for Tyler Huntley for Heisman. But, you know, if Washington State had a better defense, more complete team, we'd be seeing Anthony Gordon in the Heisman conversation. So that is one game down. There's still four more to go. We're going to talk about Oregon State's Crazy win over Arizona State. Utah just laying a smackdown on UCLA. Oregon doing the same to Arizona. And USC in a pretty insane game against Cal with a lot of crazy stuff happening. We're going to break all of that down and more. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Those were the second half highlights from Arizona State, Oregon State, and you heard on there the craziness that was this decision to go for two that we will talk about in a minute, but um, what... A game. Oregon State Beavers defeating Arizona State 35-34. It was a wild one at Reeser Stadium. And you just could not have, like most Pac-12 things, you could not have predicted that kind of win for the Beavers. They're now 5-5 five and five, uh, in the conference. Sole possession of second place in the North, which who would have thought... And they're one game away from bowl eligibility for the first time since 2013. Pretty, pretty good time to be a Beavers fan. Um, 16 seniors on the team, been through three coaching staffs, and they haven't had anything close to a 500 or winning season until now. It was just a very, very nice memory um, for these guys to have at home. Um, under Jonathan Smith, who has, like we've talked about on the podcast, many people have come on and talked about how 
um, how great he is for the program and everything that he's done. So Jake Luton having phenomenal night, 196 yards, three touchdowns in the first half to to lead OSU to a 28-21 halftime lead. Um, then you heard those highlights from the second half, and really the defense came through forcing two fumbles, including one um, – by Morris as Eno Benjamin, you heard on the call, was about to drive into the end zone um, and and he was stopped. So Oregon State's defense just um, huge, coming up big in the second half when in a half where, you know, the offense was held only 98 yards, the defense really just came through and, and made it and, and held on to that win. So um, it, it was crazy, the Sun Devils, you know, I guess you never – you, when you get the lead, to you, you cut the lead to one, right? And the Sun Devils come on. You know that Herm Edwards has stuff up his sleeve. They come on and they they get this touchdown, and they're one they're down one point. So instead of kicking the you know point after, they tried to go for two, and you know. No, it did not happen. And a lot of people are questioning Coach Edwards for that play call. And here is actually what the coach had to say about it um, after in the postgame press conference. Well, I mean, either way, in that position, you look at it this way. If you kick it, you still got to stop them from scoring. Right. It's they still get the ball. I mean, you got to stop them. They kick a field goal, they still beat you. I just felt like we're on the road. Um, I told the football team, I said, I'm not playing to lose, man. I don't play to lose. I mean, we fought uphill this whole game. And I just felt at the end, I said, when we got in there, I told them, I said, when you score, we're going. I said, when you score, so we're going for two. I said that when they had the ball in fourth. I said, we got to go for two. And it's just, we're a young football team. Um, they got to learn how to win. And you, you can't sit there and go, well, okay, I'll kick it. It'll be a tie game, and then all of a sudden, they you got to kick it off to them, and they drive the ball down, they kick a field goal, and then you're sitting there going, uh, you know, you didn't give yourself a chance. I wanted to put pressure on them uh, to say, okay, we're going to score, we're going to score, and then go for two, and, and and see, and that gives you energy as a defense, you know, gives you energy. So I don't, I don't second guess myself on that one. That's, you got to play to win, man. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't come here to lose games. You know, we're trying to win. We're trying to create a program where I think if you ask any player, they knew I was going to go for two. They knew it. It was like, yeah, coach, we got to go. And I said, that's what I thought. You know, we can't play skater. You know, we just can't do that. It was a pretty entertaining game. We, we, we entertain people, boy. We, we've been entertained in the last couple of weeks. You know, we lose a game by a point all of a sudden. You know, it's just we got to get over the hump. We got to find a way. I got to tell you, uh, Mike Leach may have a monopoly on post-game press conference, you know, comments or even just game, you know, or interview comments. But Herm Edwards' post-games are usually very entertaining. Uh, he just says it like it is. And he says, you know, we don't we don't play to lose. So there you go. That's why he went for two. Makes perfect sense to me now. Um, obviously, in the moment, it's a little disconcerting. But 
hats off to Oregon State and what they're doing. One more win and they're bowl eligible and you got you want to root for them. So um, we're going to say go Beavers here. But uh, all right, let's get to the second game in this segment. And it's a rough one for me because I was picking Cal to win this game, but USC just rolled on over 41-17. Trojans improved to 7-4 and four on the season. Cal falls to 5-5. Five and five. I really thought the Bears, having Chase Garber's back, being the kind of defense they are, were, and having this game be at home, it's the Joe Roth game, throwback jerseys, you know, the vibe was just right. I was at Cal practice all week, and the guys were – ready you know Wilcox seemed like he was in a great mood and the the coaches see they just I don't really know it was packed stadium 46,397 fans there um but you know USC's defense played well they caused turnovers and Cal's defense did not look Cal-esque the quote-unquote takers could not stop you know, USC's quarterback and receiver unit. It was just too, it was too much. Um, And people have always talked about how good USC's receiving core is, but you really hadn't seen it until this game. I mean, and and against a defense like Cal's, that was very, very unexpected, but very athletic receiver. So you have to give a shout out to Keenan Slovis and his receiving core because they played a phenomenal game. Um... Cal with a bit of bad luck, obviously Chase Garbers was back, but he only attempted 10 passes before leaving the game in the second quarter due to a possible left shoulder injury. He had missed the four games before that um, due to a right shoulder injury, so obviously he goes down, and even the USC guys were saying as soon as Garbers went out, after the game the USC players said you could feel the energy just shift, and, and it went downhill from there. Moments later, a Cal linebacker, Evan Tattersall, also exited the game. This one was scary because he was hit on kickoff coverage, um, and he just went down. I mean, he the guy hit him, and he goes down to the ground and does not move. And you can see him eventually starting to move his extremities, hands, and, and feet, but his upper torso and head and neck were not moving at all. He was carted off the field. Um, it was a very scary moment for everybody in the stadium and we found out later that you know he is doing well he was in the hospital but he was alert he could move everything and so it seems like he's going to be okay but when that happened it really changed after the Garbers injury this injury changed the game for Cal and it's one of those things where you can come out and the defense did come out pretty tough right after that you could see Evan Weaver just wanting to smash people and and whatnot um but Cal just never had a chance after that. So um, pretty, pretty rough, pretty rough game. And then there was, you know, the USC band allegedly playing through a tribute to a former Cal player that had passed away, even though they'd been told not to. It was a moment of reverence and silence for this um, fallen, you know, player. And they played through it and they played louder when uh, allegedly they were asked to stop and they played louder. So just kind of a not a great feeling game all the way around. Um, and man, USC just makes me not like them that much more. But Slovis, great game, 29 of 35, 406, 406 yards, four touchdowns. Um, so, you know, that's going to be that for USC. They're going to keep on rolling, and Cal's got to find a way to bounce back against Stanford. 
in what could be their first victory in several years over uh, the Cardinal in this year's big game. All right, we got two games left, the two ranked teams in the Pac-12. We're going to see exactly how bad the beatdown was uh, for both Utah and Oregon over their opponents. And what does this mean for the college football playoff picture this week? I think we all know what it means. Talking about erectile dysfunction definitely isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. Or even, let's just Netflix and chill. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is easy. Just go to GetRoman.com locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com locked for a free visit to get started. Do you, do you have in these guys? Uh, more confidence than I got in myself. And I got a lot of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> that was quarterback, Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley making the media laugh quite a bit in the post game after Utah's win over UCLA. And you heard him, he has a lot of confidence, but he has more confidence. Just as much, if not more, in his team. Utah really showing out with this 49-3 win over UCLA. UCLA not overly impressive themselves, so okay. But still, they, they Utah bring it to them. And they were rewarded for their effort. They moved up to number seven in, um, in the rankings this week, just behind Oregon at number six, who stayed the same. And, you know, Utah football starting the Huntley for Heisman campaign, which I got to admit is well-deserved. Huntley had a phenomenal game. um, But Utah's rushing defense, who leads the nation, giving up just 56 yards per game, held UCLA to 50 rushing yards. Is that not insane? An insane, insane statistic. Uh, they came UCLA came to Utah, averaging 217.2 yards rushing over its previous six games. Uh, running back Josh Josh Kelly was leading the Pac-12 in rushing with 107.6 yards per game, but Utah decided, no, we're not going to let you come near your averages, and instead hold you to. Uh, the worst rushing total that I think they've had in forever. Uh, Utah just displaying exactly how physical they are, led by our our favorite Bradley Anai, who has been, we've talked about him on the podcast before, being a Pac-12 player of the week. Um, Anai, they sacked 
DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson five times, resulting in a net loss of 58 yards. And I had two of those sacks. So um, Utah wound up making 10 stops behind the line of scrimmage and forced five takeaways, three fumbles, and two interceptions. So whatever you want to say about Huntley and the offense and Zach Moss, the running back at Utah, who's proficient, if not beyond great, their defense is really what keeps them um, at this high level of competition. Huntley was 14 of 18 for 335 yards, two touchdowns. Zach Moss, 127 yards and two scores. Um, tight end Brant led the Utes with five receptions. So, you know, they were effective on offense, obviously putting up 49 points. But again, it's the defense um, that really, of course, we all say, you know, wins games. But I'm excited to see where the committee places them in the playoff rankings because that was a dominant, dominant showing. Now, on the other side of the coin, we've got Oregon beating Arizona 34-6. to Now, it's a good win. It's a solid win. But it's not the same statement Utah made in their, in their performance. Um, and I'm not sure that the committee will be that impressed with the win over Arizona. Even... Cristobal, head coach Mario Cristobal said after the game, our guys feel like we still haven't played our best football. And that might be true because I don't know that I've seen Oregon play a better game than the one that they played against um, Auburn. So, you know, Justin Herbert still being Justin Herbert and doing those things. Um, And of course, finishing 20 of 28 for 333 yards and four touchdowns with only one interception. Um, so, of course, doing well on on that side of the ball. The defense was good, obviously holding um, Arizona to six points, but not overly dominating, which is disconcerting if we do see a Utah-Oregon matchup in the Pac-12. Utah definitely has that edge defensively um, to limit, you know, not only the running game, but um, Herbert and his, his passing weapons. So it's... Oregon has a good defense. Um, maybe, maybe they can they'll, they'll contend for this Pac-12 title, but did not look like a national championship contender um, in this game. You really want to see when you play teams, you know that you should beat up on. You really want to see dominating performances. Um, so if they don't have any more of games like you know where they can do that, then it might just be um, the Rose Bowl for Oregon, but. Who, who knows? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see for the rankings to come out and see what the committee thought. I'm a little worried for that Oregon-Oregon State game at the end of the year. I think Oregon State is on this incredible roll, and you never know what's going to happen in the Civil War. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those rivalry games. You cannot predict them, so... That's going to do it for the recap episode of the podcast this week. Looking forward to an exciting week of coverage. Going to try and bring you guys some stuff um, about the college football playoffs specifically. Working on getting some guests to talk about the national picture and how 
you know, they think the Pac-12, what the real chances are as we're getting closer, heading, we're in week 13 now, only a few, you know, games in the regular season left. So I'm going to get some experts on, people that are more qualified than me to talk about it and see what they think. So as always, make sure you subscribe, download the podcast wherever you listen. Please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Pac-12. Follow me on Twitter at MLM. And as always, stay tuned, stay sassy, and stay locked on Pac-12.